Hello, and welcome to Bringing Education Home. I'm Herb. And I'm Christina. And together we share ideas to help develop happy, healthy, and successful families that are both inside and outside the box. If you like the show, be sure to follow Christina on Facebook. And please leave us a review and comment on your favorite podcast platform. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing Carly Myers. As the founder of the Stress Less Company, Carly Myers is an expert at helping leaders manage day-to-day stress in a way that creates satisfying results, such as improved sleep, increased income, fulfilling personal relationships, and more. She is the creator of Holding Space, a new container that allows people to come together, share, and be deeply witnessed in a safe, judgment-free space. Carly, a diplomat of the American Institute of Stress and a certified safe conversations facilitator and workshop leader has had her work most recently featured in the media outlets such as Parade, Fox 29, Good Day Philadelphia, The Maui News, and The Holy Magazine. So welcome, Carly. It is a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to jump into our conversation. Excellent. Well, start back with your um, origin story a little bit. What became passionate or why did you become passionate about this space? Why did you want to help develop and have these spaces and containers? Yeah. So I do want to give a bit of a trigger warning because my origin story is it comes from trauma. So when I was about 12 years old, a, a man was actually murdered in my home and my mom was shot three times. And while my mom ended up making a miraculous recovery, I ended up, you know, struggling for a long time. I I ended up struggling with the symptoms of PTSD, with stress, with jumpiness, night terrors. I mean, you name it. I was probably struggling with it. And, um, you know, for a long time I, I struggled. And, and when I finally opened up and, and wanted to share, you know, Hey, I'm kind of struggling right now. I'm having a hard time. Um, what I learned in my journey is that, um, well, when I opened up, I didn't exactly receive the softest place to land all of the time in all of my relationships. And so what I found is that the, the let's say, harder places to land hindered my healing tenfold. And then the softer places to land helped me heal tenfold. And so I learned that relationships deeply impacted our ability or my ability to, to heal. And so... Luckily, I was sort of not willing to accept that low-grade misery as my new normal. I kept exploring. I kept trying to figure out what uniquely worked for me, what was within my control for my own personal growth and and uh, kind of discovery of rediscovery of self. And then I also, you know, got certified in methodologies like safe conversations, and you know, the rest was history. Excellent. I love it. I love that you had that, you know, that grit inside to keep going and not give up and not settle for that low level. That's one of the things, you know, right before we jumped on here, we told you that we had just gone through a week of kind of healing and self-discovery. And it was, we got to that place where we were tired of the low level misery all the time. We wanted to take that next step. So Mm. good for you and I'm glad you found your spaces and yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And you know, trauma, really is an impetus for change in a lot of people. A lot of people have to get to the point where stuff is broken before they actually start looking around and trying to fix themselves. Because again, that that low level is okay. It's better than than landing in those hard spots, than, than trying to talk to somebody and having them try and fix you instead of being able to understand what's going on. So yeah. congratulations on, on really being able to identify that 
because so many people just don't ever get there. So again, congratulations. Thank you. And what I, you know, it's what I love about what you just shared is that I didn't even have to tell you what a hard place to land looked like. And you already knew, right? And one of the ways that I was received was the unsolicited advice, the fixers, right? And that's just the absolute worst when you've already, well, one, you've already tried a lot of things as many of us do. And then we hear the same thing over again, but also this feeling of like, well, don't you trust me to get through this challenging thing? So it's, I love that there was some sort of like, um, like human experience. Like there was just this knowing of like what it meant, what one way, uh, what's one way to not be received. Yeah. So I appreciate that. I love it. Yeah. Actually, one of the talks that I do with other people is about challenges and families and things like that. And what you just said about, you know, not trusting or not being able to, you know, know that I've gone through the process as a teacher, I worked with our kids and our parents and they were like, oh, our kids are kind of stressed right now. We're going to take all the stress off of them. I'm like, well, wait a second. Is that really the best thing for them? Can you mm -hmm. reduce the stress and support them, but not tell them that they can't handle it by taking everything away? So that's yeah. something, you know, just that, that brought up to me. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that reminds me of the, you know, the formula that I talk about a lot when it comes to stress and it's sort of how I define it. So stress equals the thing plus the perception of the thing. Mm -hmm. And so like with the students, you know, maybe they're, they, the thing is like the schoolwork or the, the test that they're preparing for. And for one student, it's not a big deal for another student. It's absolutely crushing, but it's the only difference is the perception. Um, or let's say one of the main differences is the perception. And so we shift that perception. The stress impacts us completely differently. Yeah. I, I used to have a little writing on my wall that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I deal with it. Mm -hmm. And that was a reminder that it's like, you know, what's happening is, is me. It's like, there's, there's stuff that happens. That's not me, but, but everything around it, how I deal with it, what's happening is, is somehow inside of me. And if yeah. I can change and fix that within myself, then I can, then I can change 90% of my life just by changing how I look at things. Yeah. It, it also reminds me of, there's a saying I heard from somewhere. I can't remember his name. I think it's like Gabrielle or something like that. Um, he's an expert in trauma and he talks about how trauma or maybe even PTSD is not what happened to us. It's what happened. It's what happened within us as a result of what happened to us. And so it's sort of playing into what you just shared. Gabor Mate. Yes, you got it. You got yes. it. Tissues are in the tissues. You carry the trauma in the body. Yes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm also a coach. I went through a program called Being True to You. And again, holding that space and allowing people to talk and work through their process, just being there to maybe guide a little bit, but not fix them. We don't fix people. We just, we just hold a space that allows them to start seeing themselves and to reflect back to them and allow just gives them a little space to, to make different choices at times. And so it's, it's a really wonderful process what you're doing. Oh, so thank you. A bit more about your container. One of the tools that you use when you're in your container, helping facilitate these things. So maybe our parents, maybe our guardians yeah. who are working with kids the, the can holding, put that into the holding space trademarked. <laughs> 
let's let's go into that now. Yeah. So Holding Space is a program that I launched in beta form this past year that is that uses a key methodology that I've been trained in called safe conversations. And so I think backing up and, and talking about safe conversations would be really uh, important here. So Safe Conversations was developed by Harville Hendricks and Helena Kelly Hunt. They are world-renowned relational experts right up there with John Gottman, if you're familiar with him. Um, and they are most well-known for their work in the romantic relationship space. Um, now, Harville and Helen ended up taking, they started off doing workshops called Getting the Love That You Want. They had a theory called Imago Theory and created a dialogue called Imago Dialogue. And this was used predominantly in romantic relationships and couples. And what they found is that they were having incredible results in the clinic, in the therapeutic setting, in their workshops. But they, what frustrated them was that they knew that this process could apply to many more relationships than just romantic. And they were also frustrated that it was sort of stuck in the clinic. And so they wanted to take what they've learned over the last decades, couple decades, and apply it to relationships of all kinds. And so they ended up creating safe conversations, which is a methodology, a process that really follows, you know, three key um, pillars or processes, three, three steps. So before I share what those steps are, basically I wanna share that safe conversations is a whole new way of talking. So it teaches us how to talk without criticism, how to listen without judgment and how to connect beyond difference. And so it does it through, yeah, it does it through those, the three steps. The first step being mirroring, the second step being validating and the third being empathizing. And they have sentence stems and, and an actual formal methodology and process that I teach in four-hour workshops that I, I facilitate in my holding space container. Um, and I also do in other uh, organizations as well. But it's a it's a really powerful process that that shows people, hey, there's another way. You know, for for so long we've had what Harville called parallel dialogue, where two people are talking and no one's really listening. And safe conversations help helps us step into what we all know is best, but sometimes we don't step into, which is where one person talks, one person really listens. Mm -hmm. It's a really powerful process. I love that because that, you know, from like a teacher's point of view or a, a service oriented person, all they want to really do is just fix it. It's like, how can I fix it and make things better? How can I make things move forward? Right. And taking that step back and really listening and saying, I heard you say, and then do you want to hear more or do you need time to process instead of just gushing on them? All those things that you, like you said that. I, I heard you say, did I get that right? Would you yeah. like to clarify? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. It's like, you know, I'm hearing what I'm so mirroring is like, I'm, I'm hearing you say blank. Did I get it? Or I heard you say blank. Did I get it? Validating is that makes sense. And what makes sense is blank. Right. And then empathizing is like, I imagine you might be feeling blank. Is that the feeling or are those the feelings? And there's not only are we kind of holding up the mirror and showing the other person that we really see them for what they're bringing to the table, but we're also not 
we're giving them the opportunity to say, wait a second, you, you put that through your own lens right now. That is not what I said or vice versa. It's like, I know I just said that, but like, that is not what I meant. And, yeah. and so there's, it just creates an opportunity for deeper connection on. So I'm going to tease, I'm going to tease Mrs. Hey Abert here because <laughs> she works, she worked, she was a teacher for 27 years. She worked with second, third graders mostly, and she would come home and I would start to ask a question. And before I got even to the end of the question, she would be answering it. So I had this, I started asking the question that she answered. So, and she goes, I just answered that. And it's like, I know, but you didn't answer the question I asked. So mm-hmm. it, it was this way of, of basically a, a fun way to get her to maybe start listening a little deeper sometimes, because again, I would start asking a question and she would jump in with the answer before I got to the, to the, mm-hmm. to the actual question. So, so that is, that is a little disconcerting. That does kind of throw you off. And, and sometimes it'll actually make you want to stop sharing and stop trying if, mm-hmm. if that continues to happen. But at the same time, it's like we've been together for for over thirty years, and so we we've learned how to how to massage that out a, a little bit more. So when she starts doing that, then it's like, well, I'll again, I'll ask her the question that she answered when she's done, and she'll go, "Oh, I wasn't listening." <laughs> it's like, mm. yes, yeah. Well, I think what's really beautiful about that is you're you're kind of demonstrating a key uh, component of safe conversations, which is the idea of zero negativity, like so many couples could, let's say you ask the question and then you answer. And then the, you know, then, then the first person who's asking the question is like, oh, hey, oh. like, right. And then there's this like drama's already picking up. Right. And there's this negativity from just from the beginning of the conversation. But what I've seen on, you know, just based on that story is that there's a level of play involved. And so when negativity is on the scene, it's, by the way, negativity is the, like, just, it is like the grim reaper of relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Shuts, shuts us down. And so negativity, I guess, to define negativity, it's anything that we experience as a put down. So it could be words, it could be tone of voice, it could be body language. If it's, experienced as a put down, it's negativity. And it is, by the way, always in the eyes of the person receiving it, right? So if the person receiving it perceives it as negative, it's negative. And so, you know, one of the things that we teach in Safe Conversations is this idea that we should strive for zero negativity. We know that it's not possible. Like we can do our darndest and then, oops, accidentally we've put, you know, put someone in a put down situation. But what do we do if we've had an oopsies moment and that's the repair process. And so one of the things you just demonstrated in that story was like, Hey, I want a redo of this. Like I, I asked this question, you interrupted me. I let you finish, but I'm asking the question again because I want to see a different outcome. And so it was actually a repair attempt for, um, you know, like, Hey, this was, this felt like negativity to me. Can we do this again? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, going to be more guilty of, of that negativity part because when that happens she just gets real quiet and mm. one of my go-tos is wow I, I apologize it's like I apologize for making you feel less than that was not my intention at all mm. kind of go back into it and, and see if we can talk about this in a way that I that I'm not making you feel less than mm. yeah Yeah. I think that's beautiful. Like it's the repair attempts. There's so many ways that we can repair. It can be the apology. It could be, um, like a gift, 
right? Some folks love gifts. It could be acts of service. It could be um, the redo. It could be, um, if it's a really bad rupture, it could also be, okay, we need to have, we need to sit down and have a formal safe conversation about this. Um, but repairing, yeah, there's negativities like the Grim Reaper and it's going to happen every once in a while. So how can we repair and get our relationship back on track? Well, we've been together since 1989 and she is my life. So it's like, if it gets out of whack, it, it has to get prepared, be repaired because it, this, this is my life. This is the greatest work that I do. This is the most, I put more work into this relationship than I do anything else in my life because this is going to be here for another 50 years, God willing. And, mm. you know, just, it, it makes life worth living. Millionaires and billionaires want something like we have and they can't buy it. So the fact that we got it somehow so early and young and we're able to recognize it, this is the greatest work of our life. And, and that's also kind of how we got into what we're doing here. So, mm. so it's lovely that, that you're talking about it, that, that you figured a lot of this out and that you're actually helping people with it. Thank so, you. I wanted to shift just a little bit because all of this that we've been talking about is very adult language, right? Yeah. Bring it down just a level to help make the kids involved in that as well. Right. Just because they don't understand all the emotions yet. They don't understand all the things. But how do we kind of have this conversation while kind of modeling the emotions so they can learn about it, but yet then also be able to express, oh, no, that's what I really meant kind of thing. Is that that makes sense what I said? <laughs> So you're asking, let me see if I got it. So you're asking to just take this step down to how this would, how this would apply to a conversation with the young one. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Well, what's really wonderful about safe conversations is that it applies to, I mean, if they, if they're in, you know, it applies to really all ages. Um, I would say like, there's a certain level where there's like, I have colleagues who don't recommend anyone under 12 attend a workshop just from, from the mere standpoint of like, can we sit still for four hours? <laughs> Not right. lose our mind. Um, but it really, the thing about safe conversations is that like, if we're talking about two adults, it's incredibly powerful when both adults mm -hmm. understand the process and can use it together. But it also is so, so powerful. And this is actually the way I use it the most in my life as the person who's listening. Mm -hmm. And so as parents and as teachers, anyone who's in inter interacting with young ones, we often find ourselves in the listening seat way more. Um, and so we can sort of model this by, by just practicing. Okay. What did I just hear? I'm going to mirror. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, okay. So um, I gave this, this actually great example with a client yesterday about how you know, she, she was kind of going through this process. She was like, but now what? Like, I want to fix it. I want this to go away. And I said, okay, imagine that you have a little girl come up to you and this little girl, she comes up to you and she's grabbing her belly fat. And she says, Christina, I'm fat and I'm ugly. Mm -hmm. And you think to yourself, oh, I know safe conversations. I'm going to use it right now. And so, so you say, so what I'm hearing you say is that you think you're fat and ugly. Did I get it? And that little girl might say, yes. And she might be crying. She might be upset. And 
Okay, so you did the first step, you've mirrored. Then you go into validating. Now, this is the hard part because we may not agree with the other person. We may not agree with our young ones, yeah. but the validating of the experience is one of the most powerful pieces. And it has to be done before we get to the third step, which is empathizing. So the validating, we might say, well, honey, that makes sense. It makes sense that you're feeling that way because I can see you. You're looking down. You can feel the fat in your hands. It's there. It makes sense that you're feeling that way. And I imagine that you're feeling ugly, right? She already said it. We heard it. I imagine that you're feeling ugly. We might say also, I imagine you're feeling insecure. Mm -hmm. Are those the feelings? And maybe the little girl starts crying and she continues crying. And she's like, yes, those are the feelings. And so that process in and of itself can be incredibly healing. But what happens if we take it a step further? What happens if we say, well, great. Why don't we start going to the gym? We'll go to go on a walk or we'll go to the gym five days a week. Hmm. Well, that leads perhaps might lead the little girl to, to conclusions that she was right, that she is fat and ugly. Right. So trying to make her feel better by giving her a solution actually backfires. Mm -hmm. Now on the flip side, if we say we go to that next step, which is clear to be clear, not part of the process, but what we often like to do, we go to the next step and we say, no, no, you're not, you're not fat. You're not ugly. You're not any of those things. What we're also then saying is this is can backfire because we're also saying your perception of reality is incorrect and you can't trust yourself. Yeah. And so even though it's like against all of our like internal, you know, like compass telling us we need to make this this little girl feel better yes we want to coddle you we want to make you feel safe to to try to fix or to say this isn't true can actually create more damage and so when we're talking about interactions with little ones simply mirroring validating empathizing all they want to do i mean i can speak for myself as a child like all i wanted was to be seen mm -hmm. i wanted my parents and the adults in my life to pay attention to me and I want it to be deeply understood. And to this day, those are two basic human needs of, of mine, right? But especially so as a young one. So the thing that popped into my head about that was, could the next step be, and what do you think you need to do about it? Or what do you want to do about it? Would yeah. that be? Yeah, you know, we could, we could, but is there, is there anything to be done? Right. That's true. I bet so the conversation that I had with my client yesterday is sort of by making it something like, so th this little girl really is bringing us I, in, in my story, there's nothing really to be concerned of. And from my perspective of this little girl, there's nothing, she's a young one. She's just, I, we can all squeeze our bellies. It's fine. Right. Yeah. And so in mirroring, validating, empathizing, we can make, we can make it something so that it can turn into nothing if that makes sense. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 So it's like, Hey, this is a thing. Your experience is real. Your emotions make sense. Your experience makes sense. But invalidating it's like, ah, maybe I don't need to do anything because I can trust myself to do whatever I need to do or not. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. Growing up, there were some things that happened in school that made me feel less than. And when I would talk to my parents, my mom in general would be like, oh, it'll be all right. Mm. And, and 
in my mind, it's like it wasn't. And so it, it, it made me kind of feel like my mom wasn't being honest with me. And that did make things worse for a long time. Now, I love my mom, have a great relationship with her. Even still, she is like a saint and an angel. She really is just an amazing woman. And that was never her intention, but she didn't know how to do that. She yeah. didn't have these tools. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so I can completely understand. And, and another point of view is, is as a new parent, it's like for the first couple of years, kids are pretty damn useless. You know, they don't talk, they don't do anything. So you get used to not talking to them. You get used to, they cry, you fix their problem. And so as they start to get older and as they do start to talk and they do start to have these, then the parents haven't adapted, yeah. grown up with them yet in order to be able to do that. Yeah. So yeah. to be able to listen to somebody that for years couldn't talk and now suddenly you have to listen to them yeah. instead of just doing for them, that is a shift that that a lot of people, and it's a really, it's a really small little thing. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't get done. It gets missed. And yeah. it, it does cause a lot of issues that give us coaches clients later in life. <laughs> yeah, well, it's small and yet it's such a big change. It's like saying, um, and I'm stuck on the diet thing today, apologies, but like it's like saying, Oh, I know what to do to to eat healthy, to lose weight, but it's a totally different thing because it sounds simple, like, oh, I should eat more vegetables. But, you know, I really like donuts. <laughs> you know, like my lifestyle is built around donuts. It's e It sounds easy, but to shift can be incredibly difficult. And mm -hmm. so it's like those, um, those, those things that sound easy. I just want to acknowledge that for the parents that are listening, like, or anyone who's listening, who's having trouble making a shift. Like, even though it sounds simple, it can be, it can be challenging. One of the tools and two with this, I would say it's easy to overlook. Yeah, th those two words need to be separated, simple and easy, because They're there are a same. lot of things that are very yep. simple, but they are not easy. And there's yep. a lot of things that are very easy, but it's not simple. So mm -hmm. like like eating the donuts, that's simple or that that that's easy, that, easy. That, that's easy. You know, the diet, it not can be easy. very simple, but it's not very easy. It's simple. You know, you you know, to lose weight, you have to take less calories than you burn. It's like. It's like simple, simple math, but is it easy to do that, to, to yeah. make changes in your life? Like you know. green beans or donut, like the, the, this, uh, decision is simple. Yes. Right. For health. Do I want health? The decision is simple, but is it easy to implement? But is it no. easy to pick the green beans? It's like, sometimes it's not. <laughs> Depends on our level of sugar addiction, but yes. Right? That's or totally. our stress for the day if that's the way you cope with stress or yeah. yeah and so a lot of these concepts you're talking about are are very simple but yeah. again until you start practicing it until you start embodying it until you start making it real it's not that easy yeah one of the tools that i really love is just to take a moment on a consistent basis like whether it's once a year once a quarter once a month like uh, consistency like spacing doesn't really matter, just consistency where we take a second um, and we assess, you know, let's in this case, our, our relationship with our young ones. Okay. What's working, what's not working and what needs to be done differently. Those three simple questions can make a huge difference, like in, in helping us figure out when, when is 
that shift happening related to like, okay, am I in fixer mode or am I supposed to start stepping back and let it, let the young one do the fixing. Right. And so self-assessing on a regular basis can be a really great tool just for um, not only for awareness of like when things have shifted, but also um, give us direct guidance in how we can show up for our young ones in the future. So again, while a lot of this are simple concepts, you know, where would a parent start? Because because you can't just like jump in in the middle. You can't jump in in the end. So how would a parent start? Where do you, you know, you haven't done this before. Or even a couple. How or even a couple. Start? You know, parents of, of little ones who haven't been talking together because the the child who doesn't talk makes Needs it so, so the much. parents don't talk. So again, you we don't know this. We're hearing this for the first time. Maybe we're not quite ready for a coach, but we're going to like try and implement. Where do we start? What is what is the simple place yeah. to start? So like I said earlier, the grim reaper of relationships is negativity. Right. So anything experienced as a put down. And so my high recommendation in terms of a simple, maybe not easy, but simple place to start would be to strive for zero negativity in all of your relationships, whether it's your romantic partnership, your parental partnership, or with your kids or anywhere else, striving for zero negativity, because that is laying the foundation for the rest to happen. It's, you know, when we have relationships that don't have negativity in them, and instead perhaps they have words of affirmation and appreciations in them, our our brains get to stay activated, right? So instead of being in the lower part of the brain, the reptilian brain, when the amygdala shuts down, which is just a fancy way of saying like, um, in our like really thinking functioning, like adult part of our brain who has good solutions, right? Like when we have negativity coming on the scene, we, that part shuts down and we go into survival. So that's not where necessarily survival solutions rely lie there but not necessarily the ones that help us create healthy relationships and so striving for zero negativity keeps us in a healthier part of the brain which gives us access to a slew of healthier solutions in our relationships so if i were to start somewhere it would be to say okay i'm going to make a commitment to strive for zero negativity in my relationships for the next 30 days yeah right and and see where that takes you. Yeah, that that requires a level of honesty with, mm-hmm. with about yourself. Yes. That wow, most people are gonna when they see that that that's the donut in the in the green, green bean conversation. It's like mm-hmm. so. Yeah, again, a, a simple little concept, but it, it could be it could be quite not easy to implement that. Yeah. And I do want to say like one of the first, you know, things that I hear when I, when I make that recommendation from folks a lot is like, what do you mean? I can't bring my grievances. I can't bring my frustrations. They're doing something that's driving me absolutely mad. Right. And that's not, um, not necessarily the case, right? It's not necessarily about what you say, but it's about how you're saying it. One of the things that, you know, one of the, I should probably get it like tattooed on me or get t-shirts and merch made or something, which which is like under every frustration is an unfulfilled desire or wish. Mm -hmm. 
right? And so like, I don't know, let's say our partner isn't un, isn't loading the dishwasher, right? And it's about, they've been doing it like this for 10 years. They should know by now. It's incredibly frustrating, <laughs> right? It's like, okay, what is underneath of that frustration? And what is the real desire? And so for each person, it might be different. But rather than being like, ah, don't uh, don't load the dishwasher that way. I've told you a million times, right? That's negativity. That's tone of voice. That's yep. blame. You know, that's finger pointing. There's a lot of things going on there. Um, instead of doing that, we might say, "Hey, like, would you mind putting the plates here, and the bowls here, and the cups here?" Uh-huh. Right. Instead of saying what not to do, we're asking what we really want. Yeah. And that, that's, yeah, it's good because it's also that modeling, you know, as you're working with the young one, it's like, you know, this is the way we do it. And maybe even give it a reason why, because I noticed they clean better or, you know, so there's not just, it's just not yeah. my way. It's because of a reason, right? Yes. Yeah. Why, why do you load the dishwasher this way? Can we talk about your strategy for loading the dishwasher? Because maybe I have something wrong. Right. And it's like, cause I load the dishwasher like this because I see it cleans like this. What are you doing? What are you thinking when you load the dishwasher? Yeah. And that's the upper part of the brain, right? That's the curiosity. Right. So rather than it being like one way street, having this openness and curiosity is not only, it's just beautiful modeling for our young ones, but it also helps create healthier relationships in our, you know, between adults as well. It's just so you know, there's never been any dish issues. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Oh, we laugh about it. Yeah, I did did dishes professionally for quite a few years before we got married. So it was really funny because when I I told her when we got married, it's like, I'm, I'm not doing dishes anymore. It's like, I got the cars, I got the garbage, I got this. Dishes aren't mine. I did it professionally. I'm done. And, and so again, that we did, we did take our separate roles in different ways, but as, so that was part of the conversation behind it. (laughs) Yeah. And then opening yourselves up for curiosity around like, okay, this makes sense that you don't want to do dishes anymore because you did it professionally, Right. right? There's that, yeah, that openness, that curiosity for sure. Well, before we got off on this, you were talking about um, making sure that you do a check-in with yourself and how you're talking and things like that. And I just wanted to bring that back around to our families because we encourage like monthly meetings, right? Have a good sit down, open, honest monthly meeting. And during that meeting, doing those steps, you said, check in, how are things going? What needs to be changed? So that just really wanted to bring that back and make sure that Mm. that's like, this is a great piece to put into those meetings whenever this, this part of the meeting, my turn to listen and I'm going to be here this part of the meeting. It's my turn to vent and I get to go. So, (laughs) yeah, well, this is a great, you know, that's a great tool. The assessment tool is a great tool to use to prepare for your family meetings. That's the first thing. And then, and then also, you know, there's actually a version of safe conversations that is the safe conversations group dialogue, which I mentioned earlier that I use in my holding space container that can, you know, we apply that into our family meetings that shows not only like, it just not only makes the meeting so much smoother, but it also models to our children. Like, Hey, this is how we healthily communicate about what's going well and what's not and everything in between. Yeah. 
and it's great practice. So then they can carry it on into their life later. Because one of the things we both kind of mentioned, all of us have mentioned that, you know, as adults, as older people, we're trying to deal with trauma and things that bothered us from earlier that didn't get resolved. And one of the things that Vibrant Family really wants is let's not get our kids there. Let's make it so they have a lot less of this to deal with when they get older. So maybe our society can grow and expand in a more joyful way. And and so much totally. of really is around the communication key. Yeah. So it's like our children aren't taught to communicate. Even in schools, it's like, oh, you're, you know, we want you to socialize. So we're going to send you to school. And then there are hundreds of kids in the hallway with no communication skills, no socialization skills, trying to figure it out, causing everybody trauma. And then they go home and they talk to their parents and their parents were raised up in the same kind of environment. So our children haven't been given the tools to to be parents with these tools. So now we're trying to reintroduce it and yeah. kind of fix it from the top down and the bottom up at the same time. And, and hopefully that, there. you know, we, we really do need to get this into our children, the, the basic understanding of this at a much younger age. So yeah. I love the work and, and to, to bring it down into the child age and for new parents, it's like so, so critically important. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If we're, if we're lucky, we'll get this into the hands of as many people as possible. Cause you're right. It's not being taught and um, it can make a huge, I know for me personally, ever since I learned it, it's made a huge positive impact in my life. Yeah. We, we need like a new class in school called human one Oh one. And it's just like, <laughs> be human. It's like, you know, yeah. all of the other stuff we're learning, we're not learning how to be humans. Let's be human. yeah. So let's start, let's start really teaching our kids how to be human and what that means and how to release trauma and how to communicate. And, and so this is just, just another beautiful little piece that fits into that puzzle. Thank mm. you for sharing with us. Yeah. As we begin to wrap up, is there something that we didn't get to that you really wanted to get to? Is there something else that you wanted to make sure that you shared? Mm. No, I would just say, I would just say like, again, keep a good eye on that negativity as it might be showing up in all of your relationships. And then if you're like feeling like you want to take it a step further and um, you want to do a 30 day challenge or anything like that. I do have a free, a little freebie on zero negativity, how to implement that. So if you want to get your, you know, the treads going on the tires and get moving in the right direction. And we'll definitely be encourage that information and to put it in our show notes so that, and, and how to get a hold of you. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But say it out loud for us. What's their best way to contact you to get that or to get in contact with you? So I would definitely check out the show notes <laughs> for the link because it is a bit of a complicated one, but otherwise you can find me at stresslessco.com slash links. There's everything that you would need there. Perfect. Excellent. Stress less co. That's, that's a great name because we all need to stress less. We do need to stress. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Excellent. Well, Carly, this has been amazing. And everyone who's been sticking with us through our conversation, I hope you found lots of gold nuggets along the way, things that you can implement for yourself, for your relationships, for your families, and making sure that we are working on creating happy, healthy, and successful kids all the way into the future. And if you're not doing it, then you need to and get on it because we need this. Um, Excuse me? We just had that discussion. That's not the way you do it. Is there, do I sense negativity? <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. Well, thank you again, Carly. Thank you, audience. And this has been a wonderful conversation and we so appreciate you. Thank you so much for being here. Again, the work you're doing is so needed for, for all levels. And it's just wonderful that, that you're helping, that instead of just seeing the problem, you're actually stepping forward and becoming part of the solution. And so thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. Thank you for Bye. having me. You're welcome. Bye for now, everybody. <laughs>